is it about this sport that is so offensive to so many people? Like a general population of people hates this sport. And it made me curious to know. I have a couple of theories I'll share with you before I share with you the comments from other people. Running is something that almost everyone has been exposed to as opposed to, I don't know, squash or something like that. This obscure racket sport. So everyone's had some experience with running. It's usually in the form of sports, but most likely in the form that I was exposed to as well in a gym class, right? You are listening to Running by Dawn. This is Dawn Pedersen. And this first clip is from the very first episode that I did back in February 2023. This episode today, episode 48, is our wrap up for season one. We're going to talk about the journey this podcast has taken share some great clips from some of the most popular episodes throughout the year. And then we're going to wrap up. I'll tell you a little bit more about season two coming up soon. A little bit of a shift from what we've been doing, but still very exciting and actually going to be applicable to hopefully even more people moving forward. So that clip you heard was from episode one, I Hate Running. That is the second most popular episode And as you could tell from that little clip, it's all about different reasons that people hate running and some thoughts that I had about those topics, how to work around those topics, both as a runner that feels those things and also as a runner who has those conversations. I invite you to think about why you love running if you are a runner and also what's stopping you from running if you don't love running and maybe the reasons that we addressed in that episode weren't your reasons. Next up, my very most popular episode was the sport of cross country, which is episode 17. So a little bit early on. And it's funny because I recorded this episode in June, early June. And surprisingly, but not so surprisingly, it remained popular all through June, July, peaked in August. September, we still saw some hits. But then as soon as cross country season was over, it didn't receive the traction that it had. This is the most popular episode. I'm a cross country coach. And so I love to talk about cross country. And this is kind of a funny episode, because it's not like a lot of details about cross country. It's kind of an intro to cross country. What is cross country? How does it differ from other running? So let's get a clip from that episode. I'll tell you what, the back of the pack is sometimes my favorite place to watch because it's often kids that are newer or that have some physical or mental limitation or just aren't what you consider your stereotypical athletes. And yet they come out and they work hard and they do amazing things. And I've watched the top of my team and the back of my team grow so much. And I'm so proud. Uh, Sorry, I'm so proud of those kids. Because they get out there and they crush their goals. And they accomplish things they never thought they could. And they learn and they grow and they do it whether they know that they'll win the race or they won't. Hope you enjoyed that. I really do love coaching cross country. I have had one more season coaching since that clip, and I'll tell you what, 
It was a good, good season, and we had a lot of amazing things that happened for our team and for individuals, and it was also such a hard and challenging season. I left just a little bit overwhelmed, and it's really nice to have a break, but I'm sure by the time fall rolls around again, I will be ready to be out there with my kids again coaching cross-country. The next episode I want to highlight is the third episode. It's our third most popular, How Do You Get Started? I was not surprised to see this climb up on the list. People tend to find the podcast and then go to that episode. For good reason, it's got a lot of great tips and information of how to get started, focusing really on your what why, when, how, and who of running and creating a revenue plan and some of the things that I've learned over the years that have helped me be successful in having consistency with my running and seeing progress over years and years. So hope you enjoy this clip. That's all well and good. Some people hate running, some people love running, but I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know if you've heard this, but I've definitely heard this, that running is just natural. You just go run. But yet when we try, if we've been away for a long time or if we've never done it, it doesn't feel natural. It feels anything but natural. And I've thought about this a lot and I've thought about what people say that say it's natural. And if you watch children on a playground, you will see a lot, a lot of running. So picture this with me if you can. There's children, they're going up and down slides and ladders they're running, they're playing tag. What are you seeing? You're seeing a lot of running, right? Even smaller children, after they learn to walk, they often learn to run. Now, the difference between that running and when we talk about going for a run kind of running is distinct. If you think about the children on the playground, what are they doing? They're sprinting, right? They're actually natural sprinters. There's something in children that makes us want to race. We always want to be the first one there. And maybe that's a little incentivized by adults saying that, hey, let's race over there. And it's not every child, but in general, children love this. Okay, let's race to here. Let's race to there. Tag's the same thing. You're running from spot to spot. Tag's a little more involved. There's a lot more constant running. But still, if you watch the kids playing tag, what are they doing? They're running at a faster pace with a lot of walking or a lot of breaks. They're trying to get to a safe spot and then they catch their breath. This is not the same thing as when we talk about going for a run. It's not the same thing, okay? And that's very different from what we consider going on a run, where we're going to run a mile, two miles, three miles or more in a constant period of time. We are natural runners in that you don't have to teach it kind of. It's like walking. No one has to teach you to walk. No one has to teach you to run. It's something that our bodies know how to do that we develop naturally into runners. However, it's a little more like learning to ride a bike or learning to swim than people think. If you haven't checked out that episode and you're just getting started running, I highly recommend it. There's a lot of great tips in that episode. Another popular episode and one of my personal favorites, one that I go back and listen to when I need extra motivation is running in the rain. I live in a pretty rainy place 
And so when I'm not feeling it and I'm not motivated, I go run in the rain. I remember why running in the rain can be enjoyable and why it helps me to be a better runner. So here's a clip from that episode. If you think back to when you're a kid, there might be a memory you have of when being out in the rain was very exciting and very pleasant. And that's kind of what I want to draw on as we talk about running in the rain is kind of being in touch with nature again and not being afraid of it, but enjoying the excitement of it, just like when we were children. There is a childlike aspect of play that comes out in me when I run. And I think that's one of the reasons that I really enjoy it is because I get to be more in touch with my body and my mind in a way that I don't when I go through adult life. And that's one of the things that is really intriguing to me about the rain. I don't love running in the rain, but I found ways to make it enjoyable and to connect with that inner child and look at it more as play instead of a chore. Lots of great stories about running in the rain in that episode. Check that one out if you haven't already, especially if it's a rainy, nasty day and you don't want to get out there. Excellent time to listen to it. The next episode, I've done two, and there's going to be a third one coming up in the next season of Ode to Running Buddies. And this is just a big shout out to all those in my past who have run with me, whether they wanted to or not. And this story that I took from the first Ode to Running Buddies about my growing up years is actually the story of my dad. And it happens to be his birthday this weekend. So enjoy the story about my dad and how he supported me in my running. Great story about my dad. When I was training right before my senior year in the summer with uh, the cross country team, which if you listen to the other episode, I never actually ran a race. I quit after some hard summer training and an injury. But I had this assignment every day. I had to run five miles in the morning, five miles in the evening. And sometimes I would push it really late. It was the summer. So it was probably quite late, 10 or so. And my dad said, no way are you going out running by yourself. And I said, well, I have to get it in. I have to do my run. And he was like, no, it's not going to work. And I said, well, I have to, I'm going to go. And he said, okay, I'll go with you. He didn't get on his legs. What he did is he got in our van. And as I mentioned, we had a large family and he got in our big white unmarked van. And that is what he followed me around in. So he followed me for five miles. I think it was once or twice. And one of the times I remember he was following me and I was like, whatever, it feels like a waste of time for him. But I felt okay that he was there. But I ran by this house. There were some people out in a yard hanging out, jumping on the trampoline, whatever. They said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. They said, there's a van following you. I said, I know it's my dad. He's just making sure I'm safe. They just thought it was hilarious that I thought it was hilarious and a little embarrassing because I was 17 at the time. That was my running experience with my dad growing up. To his credit as well, my dad is a runner now. He is 66 years old and he's training for a 10K and he's doing awesome and getting faster all the time. 
and I have been his coach this time, actually a couple of times. So it's really fun to help him and support him. Isn't that an interesting turn of events? I talked about how my dad was supporting me in this story, but I ended off with saying that I'm supporting my dad. So it's interesting how those great relationships work as you grow up in age. We can support our parents and friends in ways that we were supported at different times. And it's all a give and take in relationships, right? I started podcasting in February. So the first season really covers the entire year and the thoughts that I've had throughout the year about running, which I, when I go back and listen to earlier episodes, I realize how much I've grown and how some of my thinking has actually changed over there. So that's really interesting. I also have some great things that I share in those episodes, some fun stories. So go ahead and listen. If you haven't listened to other episodes, go ahead and check out some of these. But a huge, huge part of 2023 for me was marathoning. I did two marathons this year, which I haven't done two that close together ever, or at least in not a very, very long time. I've done seven marathons now. I'm losing track. There were years in between some of them. There was like four years that I didn't run any of them. And so to come back this year and run two was pretty huge. So I have at least three episodes about marathoning. And we're going to highlight those now. And the story starts off in my first marathon about my husband's journey with the marathon and some of his early experiences. And then we'll go into an episode with my sixth marathon that I did in April and end off with my seventh marathon, which it was just in December. So go ahead and listen to these clips now about my marathon journey. And so that first marathon, he was absolutely 100% conquered. He was defeated by the marathon. Now, some people... They're okay with finishing a marathon. And I think that's a great goal. That's not my personal goal. My personal goal is to conquer the marathon. Okay. I have watched people conquer the marathon, that they've come in strong, they've recovered well, and they move on. It doesn't get them. And I've watched other people, myself included, my husband, that it just It takes everything out of them and it takes a long time to come back to regular running and the whole experience, the marathon one. That's how I look at it is other races, shorter distances. I've done a whole bunch of half marathons. I've done some 15 milers, some 20 milers. Those are really, really fun distances. And I finish and I feel like, yeah, I did it. I finished strong. I finished happy. The 20 milers were pretty difficult, but not like this marathon. I don't know what it is about that distance and longer, I'm sure, that is so much more challenging than a 20 miler. I still am quite miffed by that. From the episode, the marathon conquer or be conquered. I'd been conquered five times when I recorded that. Let's see what happens on my sixth marathon. I had four, four and a half miles left and my vision was getting blurry. And I was just like, I don't know, this is not good. This is kind of weird. 
It's a little concerning. And then I started going up this little hill, not a big hill, a little hill. And as I was going up, one of my quads started cramping kind of on the inside of the quad and it cramped hard. And so I kind of jerked a little bit and the other one cramped and so did both of my calves. So I've got muscles on the front of my leg, muscles on the back of my leg, everything cramped up Charlie horse tight in quick succession. And I don't know if it was a decision or not. I sat down and then I laid down. And as I was laying down, one of my ab muscles on the left side also cramped up hard. It was a mess. So picture this, I'm laying on the side of the road, there are cars going by, I'm kind of on a sidewalk, a little bit set back from the road, but I'm sure that people could see me. And I'm laying there. And I'm just, I've got my eyes closed. And my muscles would not let go. I've had cramping before. And I've been able to like, kind of walk it out a little bit and it's hurt really bad for a little bit but I've never had so many muscles cramp so hard for so long. At first I did really well with it. I mean, time stands still when you're in a lot of pain or trauma, right? (laughs) Who knows how long it actually was, but it felt like eternity. And I sat there for a minute trying to get the pain to go away. And then it was just so intense that I screamed. I screamed out loud. And then I took a deep breath and I screamed again everything gradually started to settle down. And I just laid there because I knew if I moved that everything would cramp up again. And so I laid there and it was really funny because discouragement wasn't really what I experienced. What I experienced at that time mentally was questions. My questions were, how long is this going to cramp? I did have a thought of, wow, this is the worst thing I've felt since childbirth. I also thought, I wonder if I'm going to be able to get up again. I wonder if I'm going to be able to finish the race. I said, I wonder if I should call my husband to come get me. And then my next question was, I wonder if he would come get me. Because one time on one of his marathons, on his second one, he called me at 22 miles and told me to come get him. And I I told him no way. So it was a cruel turn of fate that I was laying on the side of the road at 22 miles, wondering if I should call my husband. And I decided that he probably wouldn't come get me. So that wasn't a good option. (laughs) He'd probably tell me I could do it and to keep going. But with all these questions, I got an impression. And whether you want to call it a shoulder angel or a conscience or in my faith, we call it the spirit, but there was a little whisper of an impression and it entered my mind through all those questions and said, drink water. And I said, drink water. That's a good idea. I'd had a gel not too long ago, a mile or so before I said, drink water. So I drank some water, which I'm still laying on my back. And I had my little camelback was just able to get a quick sip. And then the impression was, drink all your water. It's like, all my water? 
then I will literally have no water. I have four miles left. I'm in really bad shape. I can't drink all my water. I said, drink all your water. And I said, okay, I'm drinking all my water. I know that voice. I don't ignore it. I do what it says. <laughs> when I feel that peaceful feeling and I hear that voice, I listen. Okay. So I drank all my water and I realized at this point that I was laying on my back and I was laying on my water because as I drank it, it came with a lot of force into my mouth and it felt so refreshing to just gulp all this water down. And I realized earlier in the race that I was very thirsty and I had been thirsty and I was trying to drink Every aid station, I was guzzling two cups and then running some more. And I was trying to drink my water here and there as I could. And I realized how incredibly thirsty I was as I didn't meter it and just drank all my water. And I lay there for another minute more. And there was a marathoner that came towards me. So he was still headed out. And I was like, oh, man, this looks really bad. He's probably going to stop. I'm probably going to mess up his race. And he did stop. And he was like, "Uh, are you okay? And I said, yeah, everything cramped up. I'm okay. Just keep going. And he was like, "Uh, okay. And he took off, which was fine with me. I knew that I was going to be fine. And I didn't want him being concerned or anything. So I, after he left... I got up the confidence to try to stand up and it was slow and I tried really hard to put more weight on my arms as I got up than on my legs because I knew if I put too much weight on my legs, everything might cramp up weird again. And I started walking. Wow. What an adventure that marathon was. I obviously did not have a very good time, but I learned a lot of things from that race And that kind of was the, I'd say the low point of my experience, but it's really an incredible story. If you want to go back and listen to it, I've never had an experience quite like that in a bad way on a marathon. It's just like the world was against me, but I learned so much and I actually grew a whole ton mentally through that hard experience. So let's listen in for the things that I learned from that experience it from the end of this episode. And this episode is called April Marathons of Reflection. And it's actually about my race and my husband's race that he did in April. His was the exact opposite. It went incredibly well. He met some amazing goals. So check that out to hear his experience. Hey guys, I've been shooting for a sub four marathon for 10 years. This was number six. I haven't done near as many as my husband. So I know I still have a chance to make my dreams come true, but I've been really, really excited and confident that this was a a real possibility for me. I have two marathons that are within a minute of that goal, four hours and 52 seconds, four hours and 20 seconds. I have both those marathon times, all of them in the four to five hour range. So when I rounded the corner and saw the time, I hadn't looked at my watch in a long time. It was four hours and 21 minutes. And my heart broke a little bit when I saw that and knew that I missed it again. And I missed it by a lot. I knew why I'd missed it. Five minutes on the ground, two minutes waiting for a train, lots of walking. Like I knew the reasons why, but I didn't know 
why this couldn't happen for me. And that was a little discouraging. And I felt that physically the marathon had conquered me again. I can't get away from the heat or the rain. Every marathon has some obstacle that I haven't been able to overcome that is out of my control. But I'll tell you what I felt mostly. I felt extreme pride and gratefulness for what I had achieved mentally. Now I told you a little bit about the frustrations of that race. I never gave up mentally. When I had other runs and I got lost, I got really discouraged and started throwing myself a pity party. I didn't do that this time. I was like, oh, I added extra. And I went a little bit faster to try to make it up. When I got stuck at the lights, it was annoying, but I didn't let it get me down. I kept pushing on when I got to those lights and just knew that it was outside of my control and I couldn't do anything about it. The train, the train was really annoying. Even with that, I didn't give up mentally. I just was like, oh, well, that's outside of my control too. There's another one. And I didn't give up mentally. So many races and especially marathons, I've just thrown in the towel mentally. I finished the race, but mentally, I've just thrown myself a big pity party when things don't go well. And especially with my leg cramping so early on, I really met my goal. I was strong. I was confident. And I was determined to tell the final step. To come back from laying on the side of the road and I finished strong. It wasn't fast, but I finished running. I wasn't walking. I walked very little of the race compared to how much I could have with how much pain my leg was in. My mind won that marathon. I have never been so strong mentally in a race It's really interesting listening to that again. A lot of times we talk about mental toughness and how that's what you need to get the finish that you want or the PR that you want. But in that moment, in that race, I was extremely mentally tough despite the challenges. And that's what made me feel that I had come off conquer from that race. We're going to go now. This episode is called Truce of the Marathon. And I'll just leave it at that. Let's hear the story. This is from my December marathon. So I told my husband, look, the longest I've done in a while is a 10. Let me try a 13 or a 13 and a half on Saturday. And then I will let you know if we can sign up for that race. And he said, okay, cool. And so this is kind of a little bit of a memoir on that marathon today. So number seven, I uh, decided that my goal was just to go out at nine pace, which if I could keep nine pace would put me at like a 356, I think, for my time, three hours, 56 minutes. And I thought that would be like a four minute PR and I'd finally break the four hour mark. I'm gonna stop shooting for a Boston qualifying 340 or a 345 or whatever it is that I'm trying to do that isn't working at all and just slow the heck down, make myself hit those nine pace. So every long run, I went out at my marathon pace because my marathon pace is actually 
really easy. It's not that challenging to hit that nine pace. It breaks down somewhere when I take off faster. It ends up averaging at nine pace when you spend a lot of time nursing a sick belly or cramped legs. And so I just decided to just even split it with nine pace. So I practiced that and practiced that. And so I got to my race and I knew that pace, like the back of my hand, it was just real comfortable after five weeks of having run many, many miles at nine pace. I just knew that I could do it. Yada, yada, yada. Lots of physical and mental preparation for that race. Let's go on to the race. Well, we got to the starting line. My husband and I were both doing the race. He was doing the 50K. I was doing the marathon. And the course was a double out and back on this trail. Just a flat trail, an old railroad converted to a bike trail style. Some of it was paved, but like old paved. So there's a lot of dirt on top of it. And then some of it was more packed dirt and gravel. So it was a really nice trail. It had some gradual uphill and downhill, but nothing dramatic. And definitely not anything like I trained for in our town. It's very hilly. So this was pretty gentle compared to what I trained on. I read a book real recently called Choose to Run by Des Linden. And it's a memoir of her experience as a marathoner and specifically winning the 2018 Boston Marathon. And the way that she described the marathon was super fascinating to me. She talked about being with the elite pack up at front and what that took and how to hang on and stuff like that. But she said that the first 20 miles are a training run and then the race begins. So I had that in mind when I started this race and I'd been practicing that mentally of this is not a race until I hit 20 and then it's a race right now it's a 20 mile long run and then after that I get to race all right let me bridge the gap for you again here I ran almost 20 miles up until the half marathon I ran with a new friend it was great I followed my training tip to treat it as a run and really it felt that way. So let's get on to the race part of the run. If you do want the full details of those miles, please check out the episode Truce with the Marathon. And so as I turned around and I thought about Des Linden's advice, this is the point where the race starts. I checked my watch. I knew that if I wanted to break four hours, I needed to stay under three hours for this point in the race. So an hour per out and then an hour back. And so I looked at my watch and I was at 3.01.26. And I was like, shoot, I am a minute and a half off of the four hour mark. I've got to make up a minute and a half in this last quarter. I knew that it had to be my fastest quarter of the race, but I also knew that I was at a very high risk of my legs cramping. I decided that I was going to just pick it up a little bit. I wasn't going to go all out. I wasn't going to get crazy. I still had six and a half miles left. And so I just decided to just pick it up just a little bit. And so I did the math. And if I could come in a little bit fast for just a few miles, then I could make up that minute and a half. I wouldn't be much under the four hour mark like I was hoping, but I would be able to get under the four hour mark. And so on those last few miles as I was coming back, I just tried to pick it up just a little bit. When I made it to that 22, I was like, 
oh yes. But I also knew that on my fifth marathon, it wasn't till mile 25. So I wasn't saying the deal was sealed, but I was hopeful that it could end up better. So I continued on at a pace that I knew I could maintain. The end of a race, I feel like is kind of slow motion. Like whether it be a long race or a short race, I feel like time kind of slows down because you're anticipating being done, but it just can't get there fast enough. So it almost like slows down, especially on the marathon. You start to get a little bit of an out of body experience. I'm not going to lie. I used to get that a little bit out of a body of experience more at like a 15 mile mark on training runs. And so my body has been able to handle the longer distances better and better. But at this 25 mile mark, I was definitely feeling some effects of the fatigue and the lack of food and water and my body just kind of saying enough is enough. Oh, and to add to all of this, it had been a nice crisp December day, not too cold, probably 40 degrees, overcast skies, like it really was super ideal race conditions. But there was in the forecast that we were going to get some significant rain later in the day. And so it was just a matter of when that would happen. That happened about mile 24. It started to rain. It had been at like mile 19 or even 18 that I could tell it was coming. It got a little bit cooler. The wind was starting to pick up and I knew that the rain was coming and I just had to try to not run it or something. And so it was 24 as I'm getting super tired and I definitely think that that played an effect that it started raining and by mile 25 it was coming down it was not fun anymore I was ready to be done but I knew it was so close so I just kept on and finally I saw the finish line let's go to that part of the clip I said okay let's go and I just tried to push it in sprinting at the end of a marathon isn't really a thing but picked up the pace a little bit and just got across the finish line my legs were so so sore and so dead but they didn't ever cramp I was so so happy I can't even tell you that first marathon that I had literally 10 years ago I was shooting for a four hour sub four hour marathon and I got four hours and 52 seconds and then all the other marathons since have come in anywhere between that and I think my one in Japan was more like a 442 or something it just not gone well and I didn't try that hard but they've all come in a little bit off or significantly off of that four hour mark and this one as I crossed the finish line I looked at my watch and it was under four hours and I couldn't help it and I was like yes finally I've been chasing that goal for 10 years and it wasn't a significant PR my official time came in at three hours 59 minutes and 20 seconds, which is about a minute PR, which a minute on a marathon is like nothing, right? It's not very significant. I think it's like two or three seconds faster than my average per minute mile than my average for my other one. So it's really not that significant, but to me, it was so significant to finally cross that line into the range that I've wanted to be closer to that 145, closer to that 140 Boston qualifying, and just to be able to finally be on that side and on that side 
with the legs not cramped up, not totally dead. My stomach stayed intact, okay? Had I not had my pit stop, I would have been like 358, which is even more encouraging if I can get my stomach under control. There were just so many things that I feel like opened up to me because of this race. And the greatest thing was that that distance felt achievable this time. Do you know what I mean? Like I've run a lot of long distance races and a lot of long distance training runs and a 20 miler is very, very achievable to me and even a 22, but this 26 has been so unattainable. Even though I've done it six other times, I haven't done it super well. It's always been a major, major challenge. And this time it was hard. It was a struggle those last few miles, but it wasn't the beast that it has been every other time. It was a truce. I made a truce with the marathon. I was like, okay, marathon. I wasn't like, hey, marathon, I got you. I conquered. But I also wasn't totally defeated by it either. It was kind of a draw. I was like, okay, we're on even terms. This just feels like even playing field now. I can handle this distance. And I'm not saying that I'm going to come back and every other single marathon I run will go so well. I'm not saying that I'm going to be able to boss and qualify someday. I'm not even going to say I'm going to PR. But this race, I felt like I, I don't want to say deserved, but almost I deserved the title of marathoner. Like I'd actually done that distance and I'd done it in a respectable fashion. I hadn't come in kicking or screaming physically or mentally. I'd finished strong. That was such a great end to my year of running, uh, my year of racing, kind of springboarding me into 2024. I have lots of goals for 2024. It's really about, for me this year, about limiting the goals and being realistic with my goals. I have way more that I want to do that I can actually fit into one life or one year. And so narrowing those goals and deciding what exactly I want to focus on is kind of my current goal in being able to spring forward. Let me tell you about the podcast. I have gone back and forth I've debated whether or not this is something that I want to keep in my life. I really appreciate all of those who have been listening for the last year, some really consistently, some off and on, but whoever you are and however this is helping you on your journey, I just am so grateful to be a part of your life on a regular or a semi-regular or just in a once in a while kind of basis. I hope you are enjoying the podcast. And if you have any suggestions or things you'd like me to talk about in future episodes, please let me know. But I honestly contemplated whether or not I wanted to keep going for another season. I'm kind of wrapping up this season now. We had a few weeks over Christmas that we re-ran some of our first episodes, which those are so much better. Those first three episodes, I love the content, especially of I Hate Running and of how to get started running. I loved the content of those. We've highlighted some of those in this overview episode today, but 
the quality was really poor. So if you haven't had a chance to go listen to those newly edited episodes, they're still not perfect. I am definitely learning, but I have learned a lot in the last year. So those are all cleaned up and they're like 10 minutes shorter, which is ridiculous. So 10 minutes of garbage and ums and so's and coughing all gone for you. So check those out if you haven't. So that's where I was is, do I really want to continue? And what I decide is, is that I do. I do want to continue. I think it's helpful to me. It's helpful to some of my listeners. And this is one of the things that I thought of. When I look at the number of viewers, I get discouraged. But when I look at the number of viewers and think of you guys as people, not numbers, I am encouraged. When I go to the high school for a running camp or our open running that we're doing right now, and I have five kids that come, those five kids are worth my time. And so that's what I've thought about with the numbers on some of the episodes is that if I am in that hour blessing five people or helping five people on their running journey, then to me, it's worth it. You guys are worth my time. But I do want to reach a wider audience. And for my audience, and also for me, I want to branch out into some other topics. And that might sound counterintuitive. I know that everyone is like, niche, niche, niche right now. You need to really narrow in on your audience and you need to focus. But I feel like as runners, myself, probably you, we love to talk about running, but I also want to just talk about life. I want to talk about my thoughts and ideas on other things and kind of decompress some of those other things, whatever it may be. And so once a month in season two, and this is what motivated me to keep going, it's because I've been talking about running for almost 50 episodes, and I'm a little burnt out talking about running. I love running, but I'm realizing more and more that although I love running, it cannot be my world. It can't be in my everything. There's so many things that are so important to me my religion and my relationship with God and my family and then just the dumb things of life. I'm obsessive with organizing my house right now and I really love budgeting and there's just other things that I want to talk about once in a while. And so for season two, I'm going to still have some great episodes about running and if you're only interested in the running, just tune into those episodes. If you want to talk about life as well with me, I want to talk about life as well. So once a month, we're going to have an episode that's just on life. And I'll probably bring in some running because life and running kind of go hand in hand a lot in my mind. But it's going to be able to branch out. And I had a couple episodes last season that really were more focused on life and less on running. And I was trying to like shove them into running. And I don't want to do that this year. If I want to talk about life, let's talk about life. We don't always have to talk about running as runners. We're very dynamic people with a lot of things besides just running. I'm excited. I hope you'll join me going into this new year, new season, new goals, new opportunities. I love January because of this new refreshing view on life. And I hope you will join me as we continue on. See you in season two. Bye.